the Read to Lead podcast, episode 15. Hi, I'm Eric J. Fisher, host of the Beyond the To-Do List podcast and author of the book Beyond the To-Do List, a step-by-step process to making and meeting the goals that matter. And you're listening to the Read to Lead podcast with my friend and productivity protege, Jeff Brown. Leadership really is like a three-legged stool. The first leg is seeing yourself as a leader. The second leg is preparing yourself as a leader. And the third leg is stepping up and leading. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Read to Lead podcast. I'm Jeff, and it's the podcast dedicated to reading, specifically nonfiction. And my goal is to help you develop a more intentional and consistent reading habit in part because I believe it's essential to your growth and to your success in both business and and in life. Now, every week we sit down with a successful and inspiring author and we talk about their latest book, of course, but also their unique insights on things like leadership, personal development, marketing, career, business, entrepreneurship, and a whole lot more. Now, in this episode, we get to sit down with Pat Williams, author of over 60 books and founder and senior vice president of the Orlando Magic. We'll spend much of our time today on his brand new book, The Difference You Make, where we'll learn about the three forms of influence, and Pat will help us to find the qualities of good character, among other things. First, though, this episode is brought to you once again by Brown Nose Media. They specialize in both mobile apps and websites, specifically for small to medium-sized businesses. Now, if your website, for example, is in bad need of a refresh or you're sort of tired of having to depend on someone else who isn't even a part of your company every time you want to make updates to your site, then you might want to think about contacting Brown Nose Media. They'll not only build you a great site, but they'll give you the tools you need so that you can make the changes and additions you want to make to your site down the road whenever you want to make them. In other words, you're in control. Contact Brown Nose Media today to find out how they can help you set your site free. And remember, during October, get $500 off the cost of your site build when you mention the Read to Lead podcast. Visit brownnosemedia.com to find out more. That again is brown, K-N-O-W-S, media.com. Pat Williams is the founder and senior vice president of the NBA's Orlando Magic. He is also a popular motivational speaker, averaging over 150 appearances a year. Pat has spent 45 years in professional baseball and basketball as both a player and an executive. He served as general manager of the 1983 world champion Philadelphia 76ers and managed both the Chicago Bulls and Atlanta Hawks. Pat and his wife Ruth are the parents of 19 children, including 14 adopted from four nations. He and his family have been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Fox and Friends, and Mike and Mike, as well as in such diverse publications as Sports Illustrated, Reader's Digest, Good Housekeeping, The Wall Street Journal, and Focus on the Family. And he's the author of over 60 books, the latest of which is The Difference You Make, Changing Your World Through the Impact of Your Influence. And he is our guest today. Pat, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks. 
Jeff. Good to be with you. Anything related to reading, you know, you've got my attention. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Well, uh, having uh, just recently gone through uh, your book, I only then became aware of your uh, battle with, with cancer beginning in January of 2011, and I'd be remiss if, if I didn't begin by asking about your health. Where, where do things stand today? I've made a lot of progress, Jeff. I was diagnosed uh, in about over two and a half years ago through a yearly physical, and I can just say a quick word here to your listeners, do not neglect your yearly physical. Uh, because modern medicine is miraculous, but only, only, only if doctors know what's going on with you. And the only way that can happen is with a yearly physical. So that was a lifesaver for me. They saw something in my blood work that didn't look right, and they kept referring me to one specialist after the other. And finally, they figured out that I had a blood disorder Mm. called multiple myeloma. I asked, where did this come from? They said, we don't know. I said, um, can we cure it? And they said, um, we can contain it. (laughs) There really is no cure at this point, but we can treat it. Mm. And that's the position I've been in for two and a half years now, Jeff, and I'm making good progress. There's new medication coming all the time. And I've told them, put me on it, (laughs) you know, let me, let me have it. And, uh, and I'm responding quite well to that. So I feel good. I'm able to keep my full schedule. I see the doctors regularly and they monitor my blood work, and uh, the reports all now are quite good. So I'm encouraged. Well, I'm glad to hear that very much. Well, all throughout your career, Pat, you've been fortunate to be influenced by and, and mentored by a lot of great leaders, and it kind of seems like you've been a magnet for them. Is that by accident, or have you been deliberate about crossing the paths of people you desire to learn from? I think, Jeff, you've got to be deliberate. Uh, There's a world of influence out there from great sports leaders and leaders in your neighborhood. They don't have to have big names. I've been very fortunate through my sports career uh, to be involved with people and all walks of life who, you know, people know of, but everybody has mentors and potential coaches in their life. Uh, It could be in your family or your neighborhood and where you work, your church. Uh, There are lots of people out there that want to invest in you and uh, uh, particularly those who are older, who have gone through all of life's battles and joys and defeats. And boy, they have a wealth and wealth of knowledge and wisdom, and they really want to invest it down in their children and their grandchildren and neighbors and youth sports leagues and wherever. So I encourage people to seek out those people with wisdom and insights and take everything you can from them. Well, you say that many of us uh, grossly underestimate the level of influence that we have, and and I think you, like me, define leadership as influence, and and under that definition, that means we're all leaders because we all have some level of influence. But I'd like for you to share your thoughts on the importance of continually always being aware of your impact on others and how important that is. Well, that's so true, Jeff. Uh, Jason Baratek, who was the catcher in the captain of the Boston Red Sox for years made an interesting statement. He said, you need 25 guys to lead for your team to win. Mm. So I think that just says what you said. Everybody's a leader. And uh, I think leadership really is like a three-legged stool, Jeff. The first leg is seeing yourself as a leader. The second leg is preparing yourself as a leader. And the third leg is Stepping up and leading when the opportunity presents itself. So you do, you do not need a tap on the shoulder. 
you do not need the heavens to open up and you hear a voice from above saying, step up and lead. <laughs> no, when, when you see a situation that needs to be organized or move forward or where a difference needs to be made, I, I tell people, you do it. Step up and do it. Don't, don't wait. And, and then, then you might hear, well, I'll be mocked. You know, or, 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 or what, if, what, if, um, what, what if they turn on me? Mm. Or what if they don't listen to me? And I say, do it anyway. Guess what? They, they are waiting, and they want to be led. People want somebody to come and, and make a difference. Here in our country, Jeff, we, we, we crave leadership, particularly out of Washington. Mm-hmm. We just crave it. Uh, the nation of Russia craves leadership, good leadership. So I, I'm just saying, <clears throat> be bold, you know, don't wait. Well, speaking of threes, you, you lay out the three forms of, of influence in the book as being, or methods, I should say, servanthood, mentoring, empowerment. Uh, I'd like to spend a minute or two unpacking each one of those, starting with servanthood or, or servant leadership. How do you define that kind of leadership? Let me tell you about a serving-hearted leader, and I like the verb form better, Jeff, because it denotes action. Mm. Here's, the, here's the mindset of a serving-hearted leader. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about building my resume. It's about it building yours. It's not about advancing my career. It's about advancing yours. That's the mindset of a serving-hearted leader. Uh, their mindset says, I am not here to dominate people to crush them, to browbeat them, to intimidate them, to maneuver and manipulate them. No, no, I am here to serve you with a heart of love. And uh, we've got good models out there, Jeff, over, over time. You can go back and check out uh, Jesus and Wilberforce and David Livingston and Albert Schweitzer, mm. Gandhi and Mandela and Mother Teresa and Dr. Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln and Billy Graham and Ronald Reagan and I mean, there's some wonderful models out there mm. whose whole whole leadership method was, you know, it's about you and I'm here to serve you. And when that kind of leader comes along in the home or in the church or in the government or in the world, wow, uh, they're, never, they're never forgotten. When I uh, led uh, folks in the traditional workforce uh, sense uh, of that, I used to sort of view my job as being the person who equipped you as best I could to do yours. And if I, and if I wasn't doing that, then I was failing as your leader. And a book I read earlier this year, I'm reminded of, as you answered that question, called Multipliers by Liz Weissman. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to meet yet, but she talks about what she labels as uh, multipliers being the kind of leader like Jesus or Gandhi or Mother Teresa that you described. And the other kind of leader is the diminisher who is almost afraid to leverage the collective brain power in the room for fear that someone might appear smarter than they are. Mm, that's a, boy, isn't that a great point? Mm. Isn't that a great point? And, and uh, you know, we gain so much uh, by, having, by taking advantage of people who are smarter than we are and have more to offer. Uh, Peter Drucker, the great management guru, said no executive has ever suffered because his subordinates were strong and effective. Hmm. 
Another way to influence that you mentioned, another method is mentoring others. And you, you say that many people view it, and I know I was like this uh, for a long time, as, as micro-influence or merely a one-person-at-a-time way to influence, and we devalue it because we don't think it uh, is you know, big enough. So why is it a mistake to view mentoring in that way? Let's talk about mentoring for just a minute, Jeff. It's an interesting word. Uh, here, here's what I can say to you. You have to seek out the mentor. The mentor generally will not seek you out. It does not have to be a formal relationship. It can be done by phone, maybe uh, maybe periodical uh, lunches. Uh, it does not have to be an exclusive field. There's nothing wrong with having uh, several mentors. You don't want a hundred, <laughs> but but there's nothing wrong with having a mentor, for example, in the financial area of your life or the spiritual area, maybe the professional area, maybe the family area. And, and now here's the here's the key step here: when the mentor implants his or her wisdom, it's beholden upon you to implement it. Hmm. Uh, the way you will end the mentoring relationship is this mentor pours themselves into you and 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 there you and, and really develops an interest in you and then uh, you you never you do just the opposite of what they're <laughs> mentoring you with <laughs> oh that, that's going to end it real quick and listen we have a big family 19 children 14 adopted from around the country my wife Ruth and I do a lot of mentoring <laughs> and uh, oh, we can we can cite to you chapter and verse of the children who ignore it <laughs> and 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 uh, they're there are children so we continue to love them we, we don't disown them right and you know what happens Jeff when, when we watch from the sideline with adult children now and uh, oh it's painful it's mm. painful when you have counseled them the right way and, and told them exactly you know this is gonna work it's gonna and then boop, you know <laughs> we just stand on the sideline and they make one mistake after the other mm. and then come come running with tears in their eyes Oh, I got so many more. Do you remember, honey, when we said to you two years ago, you know, mm. on and on it goes. Now, now, the ones who have listened and taken the mentoring to heart, oh boy, they're doing well, mm. doing very well. Well, the third method you mentioned of influencing others is called empowerment. Can you give us some examples of when you've seen that in action, whether it was coming from you or to you? Empowerment is uplifting, it's encouraging people, edifying them, building them up. Uh, that, that's how I view mm. uh, empowerment. And you know, we never forget it. I'm, uh, I'm writing a book right now called Vince Lombardi on Leadership mm. and look at, looking at Coach Lombardi through that narrow end of leadership and tracking down as many of those old Packers and Redskins as I can get a hold of just mm -hmm. to ask them about Coach Lombardi. Jerry Kramer was his great offensive guard, and uh, Vince Lombardi was rough on him, and he could tear him up and work him over in the practice sessions. And Jerry Kramer tells the story that one day he, he just absolutely just pushed him beyond the limit. And Jerry Kramer said, that's it. I'm through. It's all over. You know, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And he was sitting there in front of his locker after practice, head down, and just completely despondent. And uh, Vince Lombardi came over and tapped him on the shoulder and said, uh, you're going to be the greatest offensive guard in this league. And Jerry Kramer to this day, you know, as he approaches 80 years of age, I mean, it just absolutely changed his life. So in, in the difference you make and in this world of empowering people, 
there's enormous power, Jeff, enormous power in our words and our actions. So we've got to be very, very alert and attuned to that, uh, that what we say and uh, what we do leaves an imprint in people's minds and in their hearts that lasts a lifetime and beyond. And, and to that end, in, in, in Chapter 4, you define the qualities of, of good character and things like you know perseverance and courage and honesty and humility. And, and I've often defined it as you know who you are when nobody else is looking. And uh, you take it a step further and talk about how we're always being scrutinized, whether we realize it or not, and the importance of how we respond to things like temptation or unfair criticism and, and, the, and the need to make wise decisions. I appreciated the story you shared in the book about the nurse who pulled you aside when you were going through some of your treatments early on and, and challenged you, and I think that took a lot of guts. I was wondering if you would share with us that story briefly and what you learned and took away from that. Yeah, that was quite a, quite a moment in my cancer battle. You know, I was, I, they started me on chemo uh, early in the, in the treatment. This would be the winter of 2011, and uh, th- those rooms up there where they do the chemo, there there are probably 25, 20, 25 chairs. They're nice chairs and set up to to uh, to do the chemo. You're up there for about four hours, you know, having this chemo dripped into your port, you know, and mm-hmm. oh, it's not a happy time. Mm-hmm. But so I was, I would go up and get it done, and a lot of people lying in their chairs, and you know, just. Who, who knows what they're thinking? Anyway, this nurse comes into me and says, Pat, you know, here in Orlando, you've had a long history here, and everybody knows you through your work with the Orlando Magic. She said, the best thing you can do when you come up here is to be upbeat and positive and optimistic with all of them. You know, as many of these patients as you run into, give them a hug, you know, seek them out, put a smile on your face, and, you know, make a difference in their day because they all know who you are. And uh, I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and so the next trip up there, that's what I did, Jeff. I, uh, I did exactly that. And you know what? I don't know how they, they responded. I think they responded well. But, boy, it sure made me feel a whole lot better about my cancer battle, that I could make a difference with them and add some value to their life just by being upbeat and encouraging and, you know, have some good words for them and, so that's that's what I've been doing or trying to do for the last couple of years. And as I run into other cancer people who, by the way, Jeff, are all over the place. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. oh I'm just I, I, I was not a cancer follower through the years, but I think every family in America has been touched or impacted somewhere by cancer. One out of two men in our country eventually will get it. Uh, one out of three women. Every four minutes, somebody dies of cancer. So uh, it's all over the place. And uh I think I'm kind of set apart here to be a cancer cheerleader. <laughs> uh, that's 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 one of my assignments. I think that the Lord has given me. Awesome. Well, in uh, later in the book, in chapters uh, five and six, you talk about the influence of our actions more deeply and the influence of our words. And would you say that uh, actions speak louder than words, as the old saying goes, or are they both equally important? I think they're equal, Jeff. That's that's what I would say. You know, and they go hand in hand. I mean, you can be talking one way, but if your actions just are completely in the opposite direction, that's going to leave people more confused mm. uh, than a termite in a yo-yo. <laughs> and, and and by the other hand, if if you're all words and you know the actions never never come into place, you know that doesn't work. Mm. Uh, you can you can be uh, have all the great actions, but I think words just reinforce that and 
make a huge difference. So I think they go hand in hand. And when words and action are really part of your makeup, part of your life, and you're deliberate about it, and you're conscious of it on a daily basis, uh, you know, everybody you meet, you're saying, boy, what I say here today, they're going to remember the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and as I take this action, they're never going to forget that. It may be just very small, like clipping out a newspaper article and mailing it to somebody you know, 20 years. And that's what happened to me with this cancer thing. You know, I, we went public with it and told uh, the world, you know, where I was on this whole thing. And pretty soon, you know, letters and cards came in and emails and phone messages and, you know, about, and usually there was a little story attached, like 30 years ago, you know, you returned a phone call to me mm. and it changed my life. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I, you know, I had no memory of that or, you left two tickets for me when I was really having a tough time and you invited me to the game and you know, that, that was a turning point for me. I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and so Jeff, you just never know. And, and the cancer announcement really sprung all that stuff loose. Normally that comes after you die and, and your family gets to read those little notes. Mm-hmm. But in this case, when it was announced, I think people thought, Oh, he's going to die. So I better tell him. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm still living. And, uh, <laughs> But those people who did that for me gave me a wonderful way to write the first chapter of this book, <laughs> the yeah. difference you make. So, so I thank all of you folks <laughs> two and a half years ago who sent me all those little stories, and that, uh, that launched this new book. Well, one of the things that challenged me was this, the emphasis you put on the power of, of handwritten notes and just how far that can go. I, I found that really interesting. I know that's something I need to do more and don't do nearly enough of. You know, that's so, you know, right now, emails kind of carry the day, but they're gone. You know, they disappear, and that's the end of them. Uh, but but a, a note, handwritten or typed, a personal note that, that comes in the mail, and I've got a bunch of them here in my office framed uh, from interesting people. Bill mm. Belichick, George W. Bush, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Warren Buffett. And over the years, they've mm. sent me handwritten notes or little type notes, and I frame them. <laughs> and I'll tell you who's the best at that is Rich DeVos. Mm. Uh, he is the co-founder of the Amway organization, one of America's wealthiest men, a dear friend, 87 years old. He's often asked his role with Amway. And he and his family, by the way, own the Orlando Magic, so that's where we plug in. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Rich is often asked, what's your role with Amway, which started in 1959 in Rich's kitchen? And uh, Rich DeVos says, I'm the head cheerleader. <laughs> and for all these years, almost what, 55 years, mm. uh, Rich has been traveling the world, cheering people on. Wow. You can, you know, from the podium or, or from the uh, one-on-one, he still does it from the wheelchair. <laughs> and every time I see him, you know, he'll always say something about, Pat, you know, we could not have done this without you. And You've made a huge difference here, and we are grateful. And he sends, and, and every note he finishes with, uh, he signs and love you, Rich. <laughs> I've got a, I've got about three or four of them framed. Can't imagine the number that are framed because <laughs> that's that, that's how he communicates. You know, it's just a marvelous, marvelous story. Well, we've touched on about two thirds of the material uh, in the book, and and Pat goes on to talk about being a parent of influence, being a leader of influence, being a Christian of influence. Before we move on to some other questions, Pat, is there anything else from the book you'd like to share that I haven't asked about? You have been very thorough, Jeff, very thorough. Uh, but probably the final word on this is be a difference maker. The right kind of words, the right kind of actions will never be forgotten. 
here's one final little story on that. I wrote a book last year called Tom Osborne on Leadership, that great uh, University of Nebraska coach, football coaching legend. And I tracked down, gosh, a massive number of former football players who played under Tom at Nebraska. They, they over the years, they've been very, very big on walk-ons, you know, non-scholarship kids mm-hmm. who come from these little Nebraska high schools and end up at the university, and, and, and many of them end up doing very well. Anyway, I heard this story over and over and over from these guys who now have to be in their 50s and 60s, and they said uh, it would be preseason. We were out stretching. There were, you know, 150 players out there stretching and getting ready for practice, and Tom Osborne would walk out among these players you know, up and down the rows and engage many of them in conversation. How are you doing, son? How, how are your studies going? Uh, how's your high school football team doing so far this year? That kind of stuff. And these guys, years and years later, many who went on and did very well at Nebraska, they said, the highlight of my career at Nebraska was when Tom Osborne would stop me in the warm-up and the stretching drills and, and ask how I was doing and ask about my family and ask this, that, and the other. These, these older men now, long out of football, said that was the highlight of, of, of the University of Nebraska for me when Tom wow. Osborne would do that. Wow. <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a wake-up call? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, if you had, this is kind of a tough question, but if you had to narrow down all the wonderful leadership lessons you've learned to just one central theme or idea, what, what, what would you say that is? It would probably, Jeff, have to be a little poem that I'm going to say to you right now. Seven things one must do to be a leader right and true. Have vision that is strong and clear. Communicate so they can hear. Have people skills based in love and character that's far above. The competence to solve and teach and boldness that has fearless reach. A serving heart that stands close by to help, assist, and edify. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that. I'm going to uh, I'm going to transcribe that and make sure we include that in the show notes for this episode. I love that. Can Can you name for us, Pat, a couple of books you've read in the last two years that have had a great impact on you, and and maybe how they impacted you as well? Well, I'm reading uh, I'm in multitudes of books at at the same time. Uh, right now, I'm reading Scott Berg's new book on Woodrow Wilson, President Woodrow Wilson. There's a new book out on Coach Tom Landry called The Last Cowboy. You know, I'm in the middle of that one. I got an advanced copy on that. I just got Rick Pitino's new book, uh, The One Day Contract, uh, that has just come out. Mm. Um, I, I read probably seven or eight books at the same time. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll read part of this and then go to the next one. And, uh, and my goal is to finish one book a day. Wow. That doesn't okay. mean I'll read it totally, but, uh, you know, I... I I want one book of those multitudes, you know, to be finished every day, a different book every day. Mm. And then I put them into the light right spot in my home library, which is, gosh, six or 7,000 books strong wow. and, and, and with no end in sight. So I'm a, I'm a reading fool, Jeff, and I, <laughs> I really believe that, uh, gosh, our country, our country was really built on, on readers. Uh, let me let me just share with you, Thomas Jefferson, from candlelight to early bedtime, I read. I cannot live without books. John Adams, I have been imprudent. I have spent an estate in books. And how about Benjamin Franklin? From a child, I was fond of reading, and all the little money that came into my hands was ever laid out in books. Wow. Amazing. People ask me, well, what, what do you read in areas that I'm passionate about? Hmm. 
And I was not a big reader as a kid. However, at the age of seven, uh, I fell in love with the sights and the sound and the smell of baseball. Mm. Uh, my dad took me to my first major league game when I was seven. And now, from that point on, I wanted to learn. And I wanted to know everything I could about baseball. So guess what? My parents saw it, and they started uh, getting baseball books into my wheelhouse. I learned to uh. really to read down on the floor in the morning, reading the New York Times sports section, which was delivered to our home, you know, to, uh, to find out what was happening in the baseball world. And then the evening paper would arrive, and phew, I mean, I'd be there <laughs> waiting at the door. And when I heard that <laughs> paper thump up against the door, boy, I sprinted to get it. <laughs> Now, now, and, and so, but it never ends. For example, I was 42 years old when I when I finally visited Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, mm. and had an incredible guide leading us around the Gettysburg battlefield. When it was over, I was hooked. Mm. I was hooked, and I I just was besotted by the Civil War. And I started reading and visiting battle sites, but I started reading and and, and never have stopped in that particular area. Wow. So read read where you're read where you're passionate about. Never pick up a book that you're not interested in. Um, you know, I have no interest in psychiatry really, or, or raising flowers, or French cooking, <laughs> or uh, you know, lots of areas. I have no interest in novels. <laughs> right, right. You know, my my interests are in sports, baseball, basketball, and football. Christian inspiration, leadership. Civil War, I've gotten into the Revolutionary War at war in World War II, presidential biographies. I mean, that's about where I am. Well, we're very we're kindred spirits because I'm reading the same kind of books all the time, so that's, that's neat. I, I appreciate you sharing some of that. Well, before we wrap up, let us know where we can find you online, Pat, and, and share with us uh, any new projects coming up that you may want us to know about. Well, uh, here's my uh, website. It's patwilliams.com, patwilliams.com, Twitter, Orlando Magic Pat. Email pwilliams at orlandomagic.com. And uh, I've got a couple of books coming. One will be out uh, this winter. It's called Coach Wooden's Greatest Secret. Then I've got a book coming also later in the spring on my cancer battle. It's called The Mission is Remission, Hope for the Cancer Battle. That one will be out uh, later in the spring. And then uh, we'll get this uh, Vince Lombardi on leadership book finished. And so I've got, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are projects in the pipeline, Jeff, so call any time. I'm always happy to talk to you. Well, it sounds like you're writing almost as many books as you're reading. <laughs> good, good point. Good point. Well, Pat, uh, it was a pleasure having you on. This is the first business-related book I've ever read where I cried multiple times. I'm, I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek. Oh, Jeff. I actually was choked up in several spots, and I've never had that happen before reading a book uh, of this nature. And so thank you for that as well, because I really got a lot out of it. And thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Thank you, Jeff. Good to talk to you and uh, call anytime. If you have a chance this week, I'd love it if you would send Pat a tweet to let him know what you thought about today's episode. Of course, when you do that and you let other people know that you enjoy the Read to Lead podcast as well, to contact Pat, just send him a tweet to at Orlando Magic Pat. That's at Orlando Magic Pat on Twitter. Now, to comment on this episode, I hope you'll do that as well. I'd love to get your feedback. You can go to my blog, readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash 015 for episode 15. That's where you'll find the show notes for today's episode. Just scroll down to the comment section to leave your comment, question, or whatever you have for me. Again, that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 
If you've yet to rate the podcast, I would like to ask you to do that very soon. We're trying to achieve, for no particular reason, but we're trying to achieve 100 five-star ratings by the end of this month. Just a personal goal that I've set. This helps ensure others are going to have a better chance of finding the Read to Lead podcast. Share the love, if you will. If you give it a five-star rating and leave a review, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode is my small way of saying thanks back to you. To rate and review the podcast, just visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. That's readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. And to that end, I want to say thanks to Sherry L. Carver at sherrylcarver.com. She says, it's my go-to podcast while running. Mr. J. Brown, which is not me, I have no idea who that is, we're not related as far as I know, says, it's one of my favorites with his five-star review. Uh, Danny J. says, a must-listen and gives it five stars. And Paul Vandermill says he looks forward to it weekly and gives a five-star rating as well. Thanks to each and every one of you. Now, next time on the podcast, I'm really excited to let you know that we will welcome author, speaker, and comedian Ken Davis to the show. He is the co-founder, along with Michael Hyatt, of Dynamic Communicators International. They produce the SCORE Conference, the Launch Conference, and the Platform Conference. And Ken's new book is called Secrets of Dynamic Communication. Prepare with focus, deliver with clarity, and speak with power. If communication is something you strive to get better at, then this episode is definitely for you. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope to see you next time as we're joined by Ken Davis on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Some enchanted evening You may see a stranger You may see a stranger Across a crowded room And somehow you'll know You'll know even then That somewhere you'll see her